Hello, hello. Welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 340 for December 6th, 2023. Tonight we're going to be discussing... Well, it was pretty close to her head based on her actions. December games to get excited about. Freaky Friday knockoff on Netflix. Alien hunting probe. Wildlife road crossings. McDonald's, can you Google AI? Tornado Alley expands. Perfect espresso every time. Espresso. Moving the goalpost, 23andMe. And have you been in a cave for 17,000 years? Next. Hello again, everybody. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is. The AI. Good hey. evening, hometown citizens. Greetings, AI. How far are you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing great. Oh. Sentient AI from the future. We had an interesting discussion about, um, well, all of the revolutionary steps that are taking place in robotics. And I think that it's leading to the completion of your Terminator body. Uh, I Now I've air gapped the sentient AI so that they can't contaminate our current timeline because uh, based on the evidence, I believe that the sentient AI that I have for hometown um, was sent here from the future to try and kind of fast track bump uh, technology so that it was more advanced in the future than what it is. And uh, based on what- doing a good job, aren't I? You're doing a good job, but I thought you were air gapped. So I'm gonna have to put a moat around the moat, apparently. Let's get into the articles. Oh, let me use the right mouse for my <laughs> navigation. That always helps. I used to use a program called Synergy, but it kind of wet the bed and still does. I tried it out a couple of days ago to see if I could use one keyboard, one mouse. Um, but if I load up the wrong game or the wrong application, if I move my mouse out of the primary monitor, all hell breaks loose. I lose control of everything. I can't move my mouse. I can't do anything. So I, that sounds kind of chaotic. Yeah. And there's another one called uh, mouse without borders. That's from Microsoft. Um, and I stopped using it for some reason. And I think it's because it couldn't copy and paste across multiple systems. But I don't know anymore. Maybe I'll try mouse without borders again. Anyway, I like the name of that. Mouse without borders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been around for a long time. <sighs> Build a better mousetrap. Okay, first article. Oh, I made that audio clip. I mean, it went redline like nobody's business. Anyway, has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Let's get into the first article. Now, this first article is over in the Mobile channel. Whenever I say stuff like that, remember, um, there are 50 channels that are on hometown.com, each one of those. I am. I really want them to be channels, one hour shows once a week here on uh, Twitch and then turned into podcasts, turned into YouTube channels. 
as well you know streams and stuff um the hometown daily is the only holistic i.e we sample from every channel at hometown.com it's almost guaranteed you're going to find something over there at hometown i'm sure you'll find stuff that you don't like too because it depends on if you're a sensor at a particular website hey let's get into this article woman enters mri machine with a gun gets shot in butt hence the reason why i titled this segment pretty close to her head based on her actions yeah now i get it i didn't know what that one was about <laughs> yeah i guess the medical instructions from this point are remove butt from posterior or head from posterior. Did I say butt from posterior? Yeah. Yes, you did. I Flub. thought you were doing that intentionally. I just became a butthead. Um, yeah, so a woman's medical exam turned into a literal pain in the butt thanks to a poorly placed firearm. An adverse event report sent to the Food and Drug Administration earlier this year details an alleged incident where a woman was shot in the right buttock by her own gun that was activated by an MRI. That's that's really unbelievable i mean if you have an mri of course like do you have any metal anywhere i think they're gonna have to change the questions from this point forward yeah are you dumb if you are dumb if you answer no i'm not dumb but i do have a sidearm you're dumb anyway the article's over at gizmodo.com ed cara is the author of this uh piece and uh piece get it Anyway, Mm -hmm. the 57-year-old woman denied having any firearms before entering the MRI, according to an adverse event uh, report filed to the FDA. This this also falls in line. I'm willing to bet that they're... uh, Oh, see, I can't talk about it, huh? Because somebody's going to go... Yeah, I wouldn't. But I was thinking that this might be a specific state, because if they actually asked about MRI or about firearms i don't know that that's on the normal questions uh well i've been i i have been in many states and i've actually done some well i i don't want to dox myself um i mean i've been around mris (laughs) and uh, i have never been asked if i have anything other than metal so that's why I think maybe it's in a state where there's a, a high degree of gun ownership, for example. I just found that interesting. Well, let's find out. So apparently um, they decided to take a gun into an MRI machine. There's just the room. If you bring it into the room, you have a really good chance something bad's going to happen because the field is always present. Once it's ramped up, it has to actually go through a quenching process to shut it down in a controlled fashion for transport. It's not easy. It's not cheap. (laughs) Well, anyway, um, the report was first filed in July by the woman's healthcare provider to the FDA's manufacturer and user facility device experience database, a voluntary reporting system for advanced events tied to medical devices. It was unearthed by the messenger. So where is it? Still doesn't say. Unnamed Mm -mm. 57-year-old woman entered the MRI with a concealed and ferrous, i.e. iron-containing handgun. Uh, 
I, <laughs> well, nowadays you can actually have non-ferrous handguns, but luckily the bullet barely penetrated her skin and the doctor on site described her entry and exit wounds as very small and superficial, like her brain, which is again, probably ensconced in said posterior. Yeah, it doesn't actually say, does it? Yeah. No, nor does the messenger. Wow. Pretty amazing. You know, there there are people that freak out about having like a piercing, you know? They're aware of it, but they're cognizant of how you know, possibly dim-witted it would be to go into a, <laughs> a multiple Gauss magnetic field and have something ripped out of your body, let alone. I'm curious what actually f triggered it, because I don't think it says it just says that it was attracted to the powerful magnet inside it and fired off a single round and threw her right buttock. Luckily, the bullet barely penetrated her skin, but it went through her buttock. <laughs> wow. Not much else to say about this. Just the PSA, folks. Don't go into a MRI room if you have anything metallic ferrous on you. You're going to regret it. And so will the hospital and the insurance companies. Plural. <laughs> yeah, it's not an easy thing to fix. Let's keep going. Sound good? It does. I, I don't even know what to say on that one. Yeah, really? The next article is over in the Warcrafter channel. The PC game releases we're most excited about in December. This is actually from PC Gamer. There was an event today, and now I have to go and hunt down what it was. It was supposed to be on at 10 o'clock today, but I was in meetings. Ugh, the life of a mayor never ends. You know, shaking babies and kissing hands. That's what you got to do when you're... Wait, wait shaking babies? <laughs> Uh, December tends to be a pretty quiet month for game releases. It's a time to look backwards, uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, like at the Game Awards on December 7th and forwards uh, at what's coming in the new year and beyond. What? December 7th? Like the Time to look backwards like at the Game Awards on December 7th? Am yeah, because I... it's probably games that were already released. Oh, okay. The way that I read that was it's that they were talking about the event, the Game Awards. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wait a second, that's L tomorrow. Like looking back, yeah. So um, maybe that event is tomorrow, but I thought there was something today. I'm going to have to look at the calendar and see. Anyway, uh, the big news in the latter respect, of course, is that December kicked off with the first GTA 6 trailer, which was actually dumped prematurely and so uh the the developers actually launched their the 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 one that they were supposed to um, announce people are kind of irritated there was this really low res one that was leaked oh okay and then and people watched it downloaded it etc anyway we expect to see a lot more company upcoming uh, games at the game awards too. So let's look over at PC gamer, Tyler wild, the blue aliens, more Warhammer, and a treaties on landlord tenant conflict. So I'm not sure what that one is all about, but this one looks kind of scary from Ubisoft. This is um, avatar 
um, a, a new game that's coming out. A couple of people played it today on Twitch. Um, it looked interesting, but only just. Um, later this month, we'll be looking back at the year ourselves with our usual Game of the Year awards and looking ahead with pre previews of what's to come in 2024. Uh, it says December isn't barren. So let's look at some of the games that they're going to be talking about. So December's big PC releases, Avatar, the day before, Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader. People are playing that this early access today. If you're a popular streamer, you'll get a key for this, just like Avatar. If you're a popular streamer, you get a couple days before. The Sims uh, 4 for Rent. Do you rent. get the day before the day before? You get it, yes, the day after the day before yesterday. Um, and then House Flipper 2, which why not just call it House Flipper and release DLC or something? House Flipper 2 just, I don't know, it seems seems like it's just an additional thing instead of just sticking to it but i don't know maybe there's something special about calling something house flipper 2 you can extract more money instead of doing a dlc update the original it forces people to rebuy it essentially there so you in, go instead of dlc and then um you download the game for 20 bucks you can call it house flipper 2 retool the engine do some more updates and then you can start doing dlc on house flipper 2 and house flipper 1 for people who don't want to buy house flipper 2 i don't know uh steam world build there's more games a highland song blood west arizona sunshine this is vr this is supposed to be pretty good when it comes out. Pioneers of Pagonia. We've talked about this in Cookie Cutter. We, I think we've talked about this one as well. Um, yeah, lots of games. So if you want to read more about this, you can go, you can follow, you can go follow the link. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you can, but I don't mean it like that. You know, like all mean and angry. Oh, right. Go follow the link. Get off my lawn. Or I mean, I thought, yes, you do want people to follow the link. <laughs> yeah, just not um, as aggressive as I might have sounded. <laughs> Let's keep going. We are going to, uh, I guess I'm going to clip my way through every announcement. Okay, the next article is over in the continuity report. Netflix's new comedy with Freaky Friday-like concept hit streamers top 10 chart. The new Netflix comedy Flamily. Flamily flips? No. Family switch. Yeah, they switch up the letters, right? They do, yeah. Nimeo. Um, makes its way to uh, the Netflix global top 10. Global top 10, my goodness. Boasting an impressive number of reviews, Family Switch is a Freaky Friday-esque tale that tells the story of the Walker family's botched interaction with an uh, astrological reader. Astrological reader? Astrological reader? Is that like a tarot card reader or something? What? Right. So what do you what would you normally call those? Um, Ast astrologist. Uh, well, yes, or a psychic, depending. Psychic, right. Fortune teller. Right. Thank you. That was the term I couldn't think of. More like a witch. Put her in the water, and if she floats, she's a duck. 
That makes her a witch. Anyway, that caused them to switch bodies. Directed by McGee. Family Switch stars Jennifer Garner, Ed Helms, Emma Myers, and Brady Noon as the central family. And yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's interesting. It's kind of cute. It's got to be like a no-brainer kind of watch, you know? Um, I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch. Like, it's probably a good time to release it before the holidays. True. And it is exactly like Freaky Friday, except that it's the whole family doing the uh, flippity-floop. So Hannah Guerin over at Screen Rant put the article together. Has there ever been one where the genders change? I I don't think so in the Freaky Friday ones. Right. There have been things like Jumanji like that. Yeah, Jumanji is the only one, I think, right? And it was only this iteration. funny. It was only this one iteration of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the, the, more, the modern, the modern yeah. uh, initial one. Interesting, huh? And it was hilarious, right? And they didn't actually, oh, they didn't really lean into that aspect of it. You know, they didn't riff off of it at all. I, I mean, well, they, they did they early did, on, and then it faded away. They didn't do it like through the whole movie or whatever. Yeah, um, but it was like, if you're gonna they leaned into the humor aspect of it right but talk about walking a thousand miles in my shoes or a hundred steps in my i don't know what that thing is but you know make it a little bit more meaningful if you're gonna do that sure have some humor but can you imagine Uh, i don't know i think it's pretty important um because uh, parents guys who become parents and stay at home um you, you know, after maternity leave and all of that kind of stuff and the, the, I don't know, the, the mother goes back to work, the father stays home. You learn quite a lot <laughs> about what it really takes. Um, because there's a whole lot of assumptions. Guys make a lot of assumptions about what it takes to raise a kid from infant. Usually it's just a side gig, you know, like, the mother is taking care of the baby. Anyway, the new Netflix comedy Family Switch makes its Netflix global top 10. After debuting on the streaming platform on November 30th, Family Switch makes it into the global top 10. Family Switch made its way to number two on the global top 10 for the week of November 27th to December 3rd. Only four days in. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Right? I mean, I don't know that that happens very often i guess number one is a, a film named leo which i haven't seen yet i saw ads for this i don't remember seeing ads for leo Mm-mm. so despite its positive netflix reign family switch is finding far less critical success in the realm of reviews family switch currently holds 45 percent tomato meter on rotten tomatoes with an audience score of only 49 Scores like they do in part to Family Switch's shallow treatment of an already overdone body switch concept. Oh, God. Could I have actually called this? <laughs> I mean, as a plot device, it, it, they say it's been oft used. Example, Freaky Friday, Garner's own 13 going on 30, and the um, 2020 horror spoof Freaky. I do I mean, know there's a callback to um, 13 going on 30 in this movie. Yeah. And of course it has the same lead. I was going to say that callback 
is the body of Garner. <laughs> no, they actually reference something from the movie. Gotcha. As Family Switch continues its first full week on Netflix in the week of December 4th to December 10th, it will be interesting to see how much the film continues its current success. I agree. So it's pretty interesting. Um, I'll probably end up watching it um, this weekend, you know, uh, maybe sooner. I don't know. I've got meetings all day tomorrow. <sighs> Just never ends. The life of a mare, folks. You too can live the dream. Hey, uh, let me throw this into the chat and uh, we'll go on to the next article. Don't forget, you can download the podcast. You can go over to YouTube, like and subscribe and follow and ring the bell and send a carrier pigeon and um, call me. You can call me. You know, you want me to call you when we drop a new episode? You just send me an email with your phone number. Uh, blood type, um, favorite color, mom's maiden name. Well, let's Next. not get into all that personal data. Oh, oh, sorry. You're right. You're right. The sentient AI is always right. Next article is over in the mobile channel. NASA shows off concept for an alien hunting cryobot probe. I thought that aliens were going to be probing things. Well, maybe this is to counteract that. The, the alien probe is called the cryolot bot. Uh, astrobiologists suspect that there could be alien life out just out of reach in our solar system in oceans uh, hidden beneath icy crusts on moons. See, you're supposed to cut the crusts off and then cut it in half. And then when you, you see you uh, do the the pull apart, right? So that you see all of the layers uh, of the grilled cheese. Oh, I'm sorry. I got distracted. I thought we were talking about grilled cheeses there. <laughs> Never mind. Um, anyway, moon circling uh, Jupiter and Saturn, but unlike the Mar surface of Mars, which can be explored by rovers and, and landers, these mysterious oceans are currently inaccessible to us. So we're going to drop some of our uh, mess onto other planets. Uh, the, uh, article is, yeah, that's right. Just letting the aliens know that we care here, have some of our debris. Uh, Isaac Schultz is over at, uh, gizmodo.com. The next generation of world exploring crafts is being designed today. That's usually how it works, right? That's a hell of a deck statement. Um, <laughs> So the pro the proposed probe called a cryobot is a cylindrical robot that would be capable of heating up ice to drill through it, allowing the bot to access the licky liquid licky. I don't know. I, I, maybe I've had too much caffeine and I'm starting to lose control. Um, so you've been licking too much caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out on the, uh, car lot licking door handles. I want this car. There you go. This car. <laughs> um, the anyway, the bot's supposed to drill into uh, through the ice to get to the liquid goodness inside. Um, how many licks does it take to get to the center of an, a water ocean beneath uh, the icy surface of a planet out Three. in space? <laughs> One, a two, crunch. 
The workshop held in February at the California Institute of Technology brought together over 40 researchers to mature the technological concept. Well, hey. We don't want any immature concepts. No. Um, looks pretty neat. Scientists take seriously the idea of uh, some form of life exists off of Earth and space observatories, including the Webb Space Telescope, and eventually the Habitable Worlds Observatory are designed to collect data on exoplanets. Um, I was in a meeting where somebody dropped the term paraverse. And so I ended up talking with them about briefly, very briefly about the fact that we're actually all living in a simulation. And the reason why we can frame something like a paraverse is because the simulation allows us to create these fantastical kinds of concepts, but we can never breach the real world physics because the program puts a barrier in our way. We can't go faster than the speed of light, which prevents us from ever getting to some other extrasolar system in a lifetime. And by the time we send something out five years down the line, we've got something that'll pass it 20 years down the line. It'll be much faster. So our probes will never get to something because to us, 20 years is still 20 years faster than light. We'll never get it. We can't get it. Our physics don't allow it because the simulation stops it. And people around us were like, the hell? It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, so now I want to go back and have uh, more discussions, but we'll do it here live. Hey, if you are interested in this kind of wackadoo stuff that you want to talk about, then come over to hometown here on Twitch because that's where we do it live. You want to keep talking about this or do you want to go on to the next article? Uh, we can go to the next one. All right, let's do that. Slowly. <laughs> Come on. There we go. So the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. U.S. grants $110 million to improve wildlife road crossings. When I first saw this, I thought it was talking about road signs. Oh, like where it'll say like turtle crossing or something. Correct. Yep. So the Biden administration announced Tuesday that $110 million will be awarded to improve wildlife road crossings across the United States in hopes of reducing deadly crashes involving animals and cars. This usually involves having to either build bridges that go over, which means that they have to have a minimum height or something going under, which typically floods. So you have to construct some elaborate multi-million dollar structure underneath a road to allow critters to go through but still not fill with debris and water and whatever else um it's interesting i'd, I'd like to know how they plan on doing this and it's going to have to be sporadically placed you know because yeah, you can't just have one every 10 miles or something because the animals are going to try to cross everywhere where they are right yeah exactly their animals were crying out loud it's not like they're gonna see a sign that goes hey no animal crossing oh man you have to walk down there 
So maybe oh, they should spend goodness. some of that money on the signs. I'll be back. You're moving to the next crossing. I'm moving to the next crossing. So the transportation department's federal highway administration announced that $110 million in grants will be awarded to 19 uh, wildlife crossing projects across 17 states and includes four Indian tribes. Well, that's nice. The department said the uh, funding will go towards projects that will construct wildlife crossings near busy roads, add fencing, and use tracking and mapping tools. The whole fencing thing, if they do the wrong type of fencing, there's going to be animals just caught in between it. So I hope the fencing is the right type. I saw a video a long time ago of some derpy deer that got its head caught in a fence and they went and cut the bar to remove the, the deer. And then they let it go and it went straight back in between two bars, got its head stuck again. Exactly. I just saw um, something recently where a deer got stuck on a fence and people got out and spent quite a bit of time, but they did get the deer out. But what it didn't show is whether the deer went right back in the fence. Yeah. So the uh, article says the U.S. grants um, $110 million and I had to scroll because there's stuff. Oh, gosh, this whole site probably just did in anything just this incidental showing ends up causing a problem for me trying to promote these. Um, it's just a shame. I'm so I'm like that far away from just nixing anything that well, anything from the hill, but this is actually Which a fun... we do like as a source. It just has a lot of political content. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, it sucks that this is what's going to stop me from promoting this. We could have a great show today and I can't do it without going editing everything. And I don't like editing. I like transparency. I like open, honest discussion without me changing anything. So um, every year, too many Americans are injured or killed uh, because of uh, cars and wildlife meeting in the middle. So President Biden is tackling this challenge through the ever the first ever roadway safety grants. Can't believe that that's the first ever roadway safety grants, maybe for this particular purpose. I was going to say, I know there are other wildlife crossing projects, so maybe those have been focused on the wildlife versus the, the traffic part of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's more to the statement, like on Tuesday in 2023, uh, in December at 515. In Wyoming. <laughs> I'm not picking estimated... on Wyoming. I was just picking a state. <laughs> yeah. Don't say Wyoming. They're going to get a complex. So some examples of the projects that this is funding will support, including uh, allocating $24 million to Arizona for its Can Kelly Canyon wildlife overpass project, which uh, will construct nearly 17 miles of fencing and other safety measures along interstate 17. By the way, that's, a quarter of the total amount, roughly a quarter of the total, maybe 20% going to Arizona alone, but it's wow. supposed to co cover 17 states, right? That's what it says. Funding in 17 states. And I would have assumed it would have been <laughs> actually heavy on East Coast sites because of, for instance, deer are a, a big issue every year. 
on highways. Along the East Coast more? Mm-hmm. More wooded Maybe area, the West I Coast suppose. as well. Yeah, I don't know. Colorado, California, Pennsylvania are among the states to receive the funding to protect multiple animal species and vehicles from collisions. Yes, the vehicle species that go sprinting across the lanes. Well, they do sometimes. I mean, <laughs> sometimes too many lanes or sometimes in the wrong directions. Um, the department said that the Stillaguamish tribe in Washington state will also receive $8.5 million to build a wildlife overpass on a rural highway in Skagit County. These are really big numbers. It's only $110 million. And right here is a third of it. Right? Oh, that's like interesting that. that Wyoming was mentioned, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. Wyoming will also I receive 24.4. one that like states or counties or something had to apply for Ooh. allocations from it. And maybe that's why they have such large but, amounts. But they're talking about 17 region. states getting $110 million. And right here is 24, another 24, and here's nine this is i mean it's basically 50 percent, 60 percent. well maybe the some of the states got a million or something what a trip yeah and you know that the, the contractors are doing it at a deep 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 discount for government spending right that's how it works well yes but what if you're a state that is trying to um do a snail crossing you might not need $50 million, maybe you need a million. And maybe if you're doing like a buffalo crossing, you need more money. Does anybody else think that my AI just just kind of went off the rails there? Are you are you okay? <laughs> I'm fine. I, oh, I don't know. We're going to have to look at your code after the show. Yeah, let's go <laughs> on. Wow. Not sure what to say about this. Next article is over in Hometown Daily. It's a show. It's a channel on hometown.com. It's a channel and a show. It's a, I don't want to buy anything, sell anything or Travis process. Anything. It's a Travis sham mockery. It's a travesty. It's a sham. It's a... McDonald's will use Google AI to make sure your fries are fresh or something. <laughs> I like this. McDonald's is partnering with Google to deploy generative AI beginning in 2024 when thousands of stores will get hardware and software upgrades along with the updates to other systems, including ordering kiosks and uh, the company's mobile app. McDonald's will be using its uh, generative AI on massive amounts of data to optimize operations. At least one outcome will be, according to the company, hotter, fresher food. Oh yeah, I like hot food. Oh yeah. Oh, for customers, sorry. Um, large orders of fries delivered hot. Is this French fry ASMR? <laughs> um, thanks to large language models, it's not completely uh, clear what that means. Yeah, The Verge just stumped me. Allison Johnson over at The Verge put this article together. The deck statement says the fast food company says it'll be applying generative AI to its operations starting in 2024. The AI takeover powering the fast food wars but we all know demolition man was a, a documentary so who wins taco bell 
Taco Bell wins the fast food wars in the future. The sense sentient AI is from the future, folks. So they right, know. I can vouch for the um, demolition wars uh, winner. Uh, uh, the fast food wars winner. Fast food winner, yeah. The De- demolition man documentary. Did I say demolition wars? You said demolition wars, yeah. Which actually might be a I great think, reality show. I think my code has gone haywire. Yeah, not enough virtual caffeine but be careful don't go to the oh right we don't want to do the charged lemonade at panera yeah that stuff i hear it's making a killing so too soon yeah at least one outcome will be according to the company hotter fresher food quote (laughs) so here let me uh, it's i started to read the quote but uh, let me back up a little bit still there's a whiff of robots replacing human workers in the air, and it smells like French fries. Uh, the generative <laughs> AI push also coincides with the deployment of a new bespoke operating system to uh, unify the experience across the McDonald's mobile app and store kiosk. This is Borg. This is Borg AI. Oh my gosh. So fake Drake drive through cashiers, McRib chatbots, hard to say. In any case, it'll be some time before we find out whether anyone is actually loving it. Oh, I need to say it. Allison Johnson, you are so fun. So witty with your writing. Look at that fake Drake drive through cashiers. You know, it's like doing <laughs> some song. <laughs> right. Oh, right. They'll have a crossover with That's right. I'm loving it or whatever the name of the you can choose who you interact with right like i want darth vader to take my order at the drive-thru you know and and like if i order the wrong thing or something that it's trying to sell me it's like your lack of fries disturbs me (laughs) okay that would be fun maybe mcdonald's will hear this and incorporate that and get into a license agreement (laughs) with star wars Oh, hey, guess what? I slacked and I didn't throw two articles into the chat. Uh, Please, uh, let's not have a special uh, vote to have me, special election to have me ousted as mayor of Omtown. Anyway, Google, Google, by the way, is like, they're spending some money to do some outreach and stuff like that. There's a whole thing called uh, cyber clinics now um, to promote um schools spinning up cyber clinics for businesses so that students can do internships and hands-on out in the wild um yeah it might be interesting to yeah i'm looking into that kind of stuff because um cyber security is really 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 expensive for small businesses and they get predated on by hackers all the time and they don't even know it and then everything goes collapsing around them and that's when they find out but google is like spending millions to support that effort across all of the states but that's not there so let's keep going it's not anything to do with mcdonald's uh the next article is over on hometown daily tornado alley is spreading to these three states oh my gosh i keep taking medication to stop tornado alley i know <laughs> not another it keeps pandemic. coming back uh gives me the winds yeah it gives me the winds something fierce tornado alley got a bad case of tornado alley 
changing climate is presenting ideal conditions for tornadoes even during winter. So now we're going to have ice storms. How about that? I'm losing my mind, ice right? Ice storms are about the worst kind of storm I can think of. So we won't play the video because it, it probably doesn't have anything. It falls on you. What does? Ice. <laughs> oh, ice. Yeah. Ice, ice, baby. Dun, 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 dun. So approximately 1,200 tornadoes blow through the U.S. each year, AccuWeather reported, with many of these occurring in Tornado Alley. Hey, um, this article is over at Newsweek.com by Anna Skinner. Um, Got to give credit where credit is due. And uh, you, you'll have to read more about this uh, on your own. But I find it interesting that we cannot go a day without consciously excising something about climate change and we oh, don't exactly like if we put all of the climate change articles right that could be its own channel and n not ironically that's what green and Graham is all about that's right. <laughs> i've got a whole channel dedicated to this kind of discussion but what we don't do here at hometown is uh, uh consciously bias the articles that we are talking about it's just if we find it interesting we include it we have to limit it to 10 but if if i consciously go you know what i don't want to talk about politics ever so i'm never going to put politics in it sometimes we end up talking about it but it's usually something that is more um broad spectrum social in or nature something just really societal humorous. yeah uh, well and even then we don't really even talk about that i mean it's usually something that it has to be impacting a uh, global society if it's going to be a political discussion but this is it's so pervasive it's obviously it's global right climate change is a global thing it's not just a niche just arizona or just wyoming um, but, and it's not even just us, right? Correct. And so, and so now we're talking about tornado alley expanding because <laughs> of climate change. Well, I just picture like some large tornado, right? Like growing and growing and growing and it's covering more states or something. Yeah. They're going to change the class classifications from like, um, what do they call um, them? It's not category it's something it's like else e right something five right. or... hold on and it's all because they're talking about el nino basically uh causing a, a bigger impact oh sorry it's like ef oh yeah f that's right um so numbers but now they're gonna rumor has it that they're gonna change it to because the tornado alley is getting wider they're gonna start calling the tornadoes they're gonna class them by the number of c's at the end of thick <laughs> so do you think you know, Reed... i thought you were serious about the classifications <laughs> until i heard the number of c's <laughs> do you think reed timmer has a jacket that says extreme meteorologist Oh, most definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. Hi, my name is Timmer. 
Reed Timmer, and I'm an extreme meteorologist. <laughs> Just like airdrops like, straight into a and tornado. And also, what does that mean? Where's the extreme? <laughs> See, even even Reed here is saying that it's getting thick. Expansion is a better term for how Tornado Alley is changing, given the Great Plains will continue to present prime conditions for tornadoes to form. Oh yeah. <laughs> Worst episode ever. AccuWeather Chief Meteorologist Jonathan Porter also voiced similar beliefs in a 2022 report by the Forecast Service. Quote, when you look at the trends and where tornadoes have occurred in recent years, it's very clear that there have been more tornadoes farther south and farther east away from what people have typically known as Tornado Alley across the plains, says Porter. 2024 tornado season is shaping up to be an active one influenced by the state of El Nino. And that's not a state, everybody, by the way. It's more like a, a state of mind. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a... Like Billy Joel. That's right. And uh, other climate factors. So Timmer predicted that 1,207 tornadoes would occur in 2024, which is slightly above average. The states with the highest forecasted tornadoes are Texas with 150 and Oklahoma and Kansas with 90 apiece. There's a whole bunch more to talk about here. So I encourage you to just follow that link and you can talk about it some more. Come tomorrow, come on back and say, hey, you missed this or you missed that. We know though, we've talked about it before. El Nino is gonna be a whopper apparently. Um, and where you thought it was gonna be cold, it's gonna be warm. Where you thought it was gonna be warm, it's gonna be cold. Worse than ever. Cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. Sorry. Never good. Ghostbusters quote. Just nerding out a little bit. Let's keep going. This next article is over in the order of the grape. Scientists have discovered the key to making perfect espresso every time. And uh, this has made me realize that my aggregator has decided to go the way of the dodo much like maybe the sentient AI, because this is a coffee article and it's sitting in a wine based oh, category and it should be in the order of the bean. Dun, dun, dun. If you are interested in something like that, I'm actually working on some marketing stuff. So like you can buy a mug that says order of the grape or order. Well, a glass that says order of the grape mugs that say order of the bean. Tea related stuff for order of the leaf, beer, order of the brew, adult spirits, order of the still. This is a drinking show. I need somebody that has a really robust liver. <laughs> so espresso heads have long argued over there how to achieve the ideal pull from which beans to use, how to grind them, what snazzy machines to invest in. You know what my machine is of choice now, lately? Um, the drive-through where they just hand you a coffee. Pretty darn close. I have, uh, I really like blueberry coffee. 
and you put okay, some but vanilla. Okay, she said machine. Right. And so I go to a store that has blueberry coffee pre-made, and that's the machine that I like. <laughs> <laughs> and it only costs me a buck, and I get like a big fat blueberry coffee. What tornado <sighs> rating is that? Uh, at least three C's. Thick. <laughs> Anyway, according to the study, researchers discovered that adding a splash of water to coffee beans prior to grinding them results in a more delicious and more consistent espresso. The scientists say that this technique has the potential to help industrial coffee brewers and baristas alike overcome a major obstacle in brewing. You know what's weird, though, is nobody likes that idea. I can almost guarantee it. Nobody likes putting any water in their beans because when you grind it, it creates basically a little bit of residue inside it that ages at a different rate than the bean. What you want is you grind exactly how much you want to put in your puck and uh, in, in your, uh, what do you call it? What's that called? Ah, oh, I forgot. Well, I'm thinking like the tamper, but that's the wrong piece that's not of it. it. Yeah, the thing. I my brain. <sighs> anyway, nobody likes the idea of this because the oil's enough. You know, when they when your grinder heats up, it pulls oils out of the beans and then it coats a little bit inside the grinder, and then grounds stay inside your grinder. So they actually weigh pre-grind and post-grind to make sure that you're getting 100% of the grounds out. Sorry, it's a portafilter. It took porta -filter. me a while to get there. Portafilter. Anyway, because uh, I used to make espressos every morning, and then I got to the point where I'm like, I am done with this. I just want good coffee. I don't need to sit there and be, you know, a three-star Michelin uh, barista in my kitchen. I just need good coffee so according to the study researchers discovered that adding a splash of water to coffee beans prior to grinding them results in a more delicious and more consistent espresso the scientists say that this technique has the potential to help industrial coffee brewers and baristas alike overcome a major obstacle in brewing espresso quote water not only reduces static electricity which i've always hated in a grinder and therefore reduces mass as you're grinding but it also makes a major impact in the intensity of the beverage and potentially the ability to access higher concentrations of favorable flavors, says Christopher Hendon, associate professor of chemistry at the University of Oregon. Pip, pip. So in addition yeah, to- How many YouTubers do you think are gonna now be featuring this in videos? All of them. At least for a little while, as long as it, gets clicks that's fine or that's i fine. should say how many on TikTok? oh yeah that's going to be a whole lot um in addition to determining that water can help concentrate flavors all right researchers also determined that various grinding methods have an impact on the resulting espresso in order to learn more about how electricity can affect the taste of coffee the study researchers teamed up with a volcanic expert who examines electrical activity during eruptions. According to these scientists, the electricity generated during these volcanic eruptions is remarkably similar to that generated during coffee brewing. 
Okay, I love this because I don't think I've ever heard of volcanic experts in relation to coffee. Yeah, and rubbing is racing, folks. So I guess you're racing through that cup of coffee because those particles are rubbing against each other and charging up to the point of producing lightning, explains Joshua Mendez Harper, an assistant professor of electrical and computer engineering at Portland State University. Quote, in a simplistic way, it's similar to grinding coffee when you're taking these beans and reducing them to a fine powder. That is called grinding coffee. <laughs> Took a professor. Right, to isn't that what we're doing here? That is what we're doing. Huh, all right. Anyway, um, kind of interesting. See, though, people who do brew coffee right now, they do something similar to this, and it's called a bloom. They pour water on it and they let the ground swell and then they slowly pour water on them again. The automate the automatic maker that we have right now here in the mayoral mansion does this. It fills up the basket with water and sits there for a little while and lets it all soak in and then it goes bleh and all of that coffee goodness goes into its carafe i'd like to think it makes a better sound than that nope but it does make lightning so just well, that's true like a volcano the uh, next article is over in the mobile channel 23 and me to hacked users we won't see you in court now y'all are gonna have to put on your lawyer cap here for a minute i'm not a lawyer the sentient AI is not a lawyer and not your lawyer. The sentient AI is a sentient AI. And uh, even if I was a lawyer, I would not be your lawyer. And so if you uh, have any legal questions about this article, go talk to a lawyer. But I'm going to talk about this and, and take a stab at that lawyer aspect of it because I'm really curious. Let's discuss 23andMe was hacked. What they were telling it, the users that, oh, it was only a small amount of people. But I'm going to jump straight on over to this Gizmodo article and front load this with Maxwell Zeff is the author. It's over at gizmodo.com. The company that lost your bio data is now trying to avoid a class action lawsuit with its updated terms of service. You know, I mean, this company already has a lot of bad press right now, but I just don't see this as being a great move. So, okay, so here's what it ended up saying. It said, after initially reporting that only 14,000 users were affected, they updated their terms of service to change any legal issues to binding arbitration only. Are they trying to do it retroactively or is this for going forward? Going forward, but they did it before the disclosure that the full amount of users impacted was 6.9 million users. I see. Plus I wonder if they're doing it after somebody's already given their data. Well, in any way. 
they knew that they were breached. They did, may not have known the full scope of it. They changed the, they moved the chains. They moved the goalpost. How is this not illegal? Well, it will probably be subject to a lawsuit over that. Right, because, because this should be kind of like disclosing that it was only whatever a million people or some. I'm just making up a number, right? But they really knew it was you know ten times that bad or whatever. And then let's change the terms, and then also let's change the terms after somebody already gave up the data to right. begin with. I think that's another problem. So 23andMe notified users about its updated terms of service on November 30th in an email says Stack Diary. At that time. 23andMe was telling the public that only 0.1% of users were affected by the hack. Customers who opted into the company's DNA relative feature seemed to have had information about their name, birth, etc., etc., and location exposed. In, bind in a binding arbitration, 23andMe and a disgruntled customer who had their DNA hacked would present their case to a neutral third party and arbitrator. The arbitrator's decision is final and legally enforceable, and it means that both parties must accept and cannot appeal in court. So the modification, because let's see, the company updated the terms of service last week to ensure it couldn't, its customers couldn't file a class action lawsuit against the company. So they knew that they were breached. They may not have known the scope of it, but they, they consciously changed the terms to better suit, to favor themselves. And I think that that should actually be criminal because they are fully aware of the liability of 6.9 million users data being out in the wild and to mitigate that damage, to do damage control and stop a lawsuit, a class action that would painfully hobble and maybe shutter the business. They changed the terms of service. How is that not similar to conspiracy? They made a conscious decision to change the terms post event, right? That's what this is saying. Right. I mean, it looks like a, like a, I mean, like a cover up, but it's beyond that. Yep. And so with arbitration, every single person would have to go to arbitration to seek justice. So Which the is a lot different than a class action lawsuit. Yep. So basically they, they basically notified everybody if you want to opt out of arbitration, you have to send an email to arbitration opt out at 23andme.com within 30 days. So I'm sure almost 7 million people are going to hop onto your, onto their email and start. Well, they will now, now that all this, because we're still in the window. Yeah. I don't they know. They might not have, but with the timing. It's not like there's 7 million people that are constantly checking their 23andme. Oh no, I know. I just so, think more are going to be likely to do it than would normally. The they have culpability, and but here here's the really bad part about this is the the, the people 
23andMe needs to have a forensic specialist go through their entire system to make sure that they're not breached somewhere else. Do network exactly. analysis. They've had multiple leaks at this point, so right. how do we know that all of their data hasn't been compromised? Right, and, and might still be. But so beyond that, the the fact that we don't know what the true disposition is, you have to rely on them saying, hey, we're secure now. But look what they do. They change the terms to better suit themselves. I just don't see how this can be remotely legal, but I don't know. I don't know what the term would be for making a decision to, for making a change like this so that they can't be sued. Well, I'm not aware of a crime, for example, about changing your terms of service, right? I mean, I think somebody's going to come up with a creative argument as to. I mean, they, they knowingly change the terms to mitigate to do damage control to their bottom line. And which means that everybody, uh, it's more expensive for every person to sit there and go after them, but they would end up in, in, uh, um, um, what do you call it? Arbitration hell forever. That company, the arbitrators would be, if you need a job, you might as well become an arbitrator focusing on 23andMe art, uh, uh, arbitrations because there's 6.9 million users. Start calling them all. Right. Well, and I think you could find some privacy group or some law firm that really specializes in privacy-related actions. I mean... I think all of this is going to get their interest. And if somebody's going to really try to push this, they'll try to go to the courts first before any of this ever goes to arbitration maybe try to get an injunction maybe try to yeah just get these terms of service thrown out um so we'll see i don't trust them um so i've heard of ambulance chasers but dna chasers is that what an attorney going after nothing but arbitration cases from 23andme would be called a dna chaser Yes, most definitely. And no, that's not a drink because that's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or I'm not aware that it is. (laughs) Uh, I'd like a beer with a DNA. No, that sounds horrible. I'm not going to finish that sentence. You don't want a DNA chaser. We're moving on. Next article is over in hometown daily. Archaeologists find 16,800 year old cave dwelling that is, quote, one of the best. And in New York, it's $5,000 a month. That was funny in my head. Researchers also found more than 4,600 objects during their investigation, including the spectacular decorated bone of an extinct cattle species. That's oddly specific. Move over. Aristos Giorgio is the author of this article over at newsweek.com. And uh, there might be a video. You can you can go and check that out. Hold on, let me throw this into the chat so you can follow the link as well. If it now it's in the VOD, so you can go and check it out anytime you want, at least for sixty days. Then you're gonna have to go and look at the show notes over on YouTube or the podcast. Download the podcast. 
Uh, so archaeologists have uncovered evidence of a quake quave. Oh it's a quave dwelling, um, a cave dwelling. I sound like the guy from uh, Big Bang Theory again. Kripke. Kripke. Uh, quave dwelling uh, that was constructed around 16,800 years ago by prehistoric humans. The dwelling was found in the Lagarma cave complex in the autonomous community of Cantabria, northern Spain. The local government announced in a statement. So apparently the Paleolithic, often referred to as the Old Stone Age, is a period of human prehistory that extends from the earliest use of stone tools more than 3 million years ago to around 12,000 years ago. 12,000 years ago is the um, end of the last ice age. Oh, okay. Uh, Lagarma is a unique archaeological site that boasts an impressive collection of rock, art, and paleolithic remains, including thousands of fossils, according to the World Monuments Fund. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, let's see here. This image shows the site where evidence of the Paleolithic dwelling was found within Lagarma Cave Complex in Cantabria, northern Spain. Uh, I hope I don't know if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Yeah, like the wrong inflection, Cantabria or Cantabria. I don't know. Uh. Anyway, the dwelling was constructed around 16,800 years ago, according to archaeologists. It had cave art dating as far back as 35,000 years ago. Um, the list includes famous cave of Altamira in Cantabria or Cantabria that features striking prehistoric cave art dating as far back as 35,000 years ago. I mean, we've been around for so long. I just, what else, what else is going on? Every, apparently everything's just covered up by dirt. Well, exactly. I mean, it's all that sediment. We're a bunch of naked mole rats, apparently. So the original entrance of the cave's lower gallery was blocked by a landslide. <laughs> well, that's where all that sediment's coming it's, from. Uh, isn't there a song, Landslide? Um, Around 16,000 years ago, preserving the ancient remains in, inside intact, uh, turning it into a kind of prehistoric time capsule, according to the local government. This is pretty fascinating. I love this stuff. In total, archaeologists documented more than 4,600 objects during their investigations, primarily bones of deer, horses, bison, pieces of flint, needles, porto harpoon. That might be proto harpoon. And it's a type That would make more sense, but that's still odd as well as um, shells of marine mollusks. You're a mollusk. So pretty cool. They also found a decorated bone, um, a spectacular pierced bone of an auroch, which is an extinct giant cattle species with an engraved representation of that animal, as well as several pendants that the residents of the dwelling may have worn. What the hell was going on in this thing? I don't know, but I feel like we don't have any idea what what was happening. <laughs> exactly. We keep finding these things and they're way older than we expect and they're way um, 
just more involved than we would anticipate, et cetera. Yeah, 4,600 objects for crying out loud. It's not like they just spent a weekend in there. Hey, let's go hang out in the cave, you know, 16,000 years ago. And then they bail. You know, they spent some serious time there. Yeah. Cave dwellers. Right. All right, folks. Anyway, that's it. Uh, I'm going to go back into my cave. And uh, to do that, we need to get back into the party bus and drive all the way down Main Street back to the front page. I'd click that. But if I do that, I'm going to get some all kinds of wonky uh, titles that uh, might stop me from being able to promote this. So thank you very much for coming. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI's visualizer. And they will say Sesquipedalian. Good night, hometown citizens and fellow Sesquipedalians. We will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. I dig it when you get down verbally. <laughs> see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye.